Hallelujah. Holy shit. Where's the Tylenol? Welcome back to the Hold Up What Now? Hold Up What podcast. Forgive my apologies for being late, but we are, or being away, we're on episode 53. Uh, we pumped out an episode last week, and then I had the rest of the week off. Going to get into that in a second, but first, we are going to do this date in history, August 7th. History has its eyes on General George Washington, the commander-in-chief of the Continental Army during the American Revolutionary War, created the badge of military merit. This decoration is considered the precursor to the modern Purple Heart Medal. The badge of military merit was a heart-shaped badge made of purple cloth or silk edged with silver with the word merit stitched across it. It was awarded to soldiers for any singularly meritorious action and signified not only bravery in battle, but also extraordinary loyalty and dedication to service. While the badge of military merit fell into disuse after the Revolutionary War, the concept was revived in 1932 on the 200th 200th anniversary of Washington's birth. The award was reimagined as the Purple Heart, which is awarded to members of the U.S. military who have been wounded or killed in combat. The link between the badge of military merit and the Purple Heart illustrates a continuous thread in U.S. military history honoring the sacrifices and valor of its service members. The original order of the Purple Heart, penned by Washington himself, Washington, I don't know why I said that kind of funny, Washington himself reads, let it be known that he who wears the military order of the Purple Heart has given of his blood in the defense of his homeland and shall be forever revered by his fellow countrymen. History has its Which ties us into a military Monday. However, like I said, I was off all last week. I was off from work, off from recording a podcast. Um, there was a wake I had to attend to. For a friend that I, I grew up with. So uh had to leave fairly suddenly. Not suddenly, but um yeah, sudden enough where just had to go home. You gotta be there for your people. And uh from someone that's lost a parent, it's important, I think, for in my experience, that just being there for somebody when they lose a parent, grandparent, spouse, whoever, someone that's super close to them, the best thing to do, the easiest thing to do is just be there for that person, whether you can make them laugh sit there, you know, if they want to get emotional, all that stuff. But it goes a lot further, especially in the age of when we just text and hit hit them with the old thoughts and prayers on Facebook. The act of just being there for somebody when some bad shit happens is top notch, high class, as they say. But we're going to move on to something a little lighter um, and keep it moving. So with that being said, like, like I said in the beginning, and like everybody knows, it is a Monday and it is Military Monday. It was funny, the fact of the day, or this date in history, happened to be about the military. I didn't pick it, it picks it for itself. So, I type in the date, it gives me a U.S. history fact, and that was the one. So, it just happened to be a coincidence. And today we're going to talk about promotions, because tomorrow they are notifying senior airmen that they're going to be staff sergeants. They made that either they made it or they didn't make it. So very stressful in the office because we have two in my immediate office, two senior airmen 
that were eligible, tested, and tomorrow they're going to find out the results or they're going to find out if they made it or not. And that could be confusing because when I tell people I promoted or I'm in line to promote, they're like, oh, so you're the same rank? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to promote. And they're like, so why didn't you promote yet? And I have to like explain a lot of a lot of like the intricacies of the whole process. So basically what happens is like what happened for me last month is you test in the beginning of the year, usually in between like February, March, April, around that time frame. And you test for the ranks of E4 to E5, E4 to E5, E5 to E6. So, and then a few months go by where they grade everybody's tests. They get a whole list. They make a cutoff score, which is pretty subjective, I think, but it's kind of arbitrary. They just, it feels like sometimes they just pick a number. And if you get, if you score it higher than that, if you score the same or higher than that, you get promotion, but you have to wait in line. So my number is 3669. So they do about five to 600 a month doing the math. That's going to be like March, April of next year. So I'm guaranteed that spot unless I do something dumb. But as of right now, I'm still at the same rank I was yesterday or over the last two years. So there's that. But Obviously, that sounds confusing, right? I just kind of confused the shit out of everybody. So what we're going to do is break down. We're going to go over a quick rundown of each rank in the Air Force. It's different for each branch, but similar responsibilities and what comes with being those ranks. So an E1, an enlisted one, is Airman Basic. It's entry level. When you join the military, if you have zero college experience, this is fresh out of high school, E1, right? And this is just enlisted. This isn't the officer rank. We're not doing that. But you're an E1 and your basic mission there is to just understand the military and start getting knowledge of the job you're going to have in the Air Force. So it's pretty much you're going to basic training and they're teaching you how to live life in the military. You're not making that much money at all, really. It's really not that much at all. And you're kind of under the thumb of everybody. Like their your rank looks really small and you're just new, very green. And then the next rank you hit, E2, which is just called an airman. Again, pretty entry level shit. Now you're doing more basic technical stuff, but still being watched under the gun. Uh, people are still holding your hand to do things. They don't expect you to do much. You're pretty, you're pretty much following orders at this point. And this is the same for E3. E3's Airman First Class. Sounds badass. Like it sounds a lot better than just Airman Basic, which sounds awful. Then you got Airman, very plain Jane. Then you got Airman First Class. Now this is when they expect you to know shit, but not know enough to do it on your own. This is like, we're starting to trust you, but not really. It's kind of like when you're younger, you're like, can I stay out past dark? In E1 to E2, you could stay out until the sun goes down. E3, you're in charge of making sure everyone comes in when the sun comes down. So you're not really doing much. You're not staying out later, but you're also in charge of the ones that are under you. E4, senior airman, this is like the fun one. This is where everyone stops bothering you, but you also have no responsibilities. They used to be commissioned, a non-commissioned rank, but now they're just kind of hanging around. They can stay in a little longer. People trust them. They're expected to know what to do, but if they do break a rule, they can just be like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a senior airman. Um, the E-4 mafia becomes a real thing at this point. You kind of just become, you You know the ins and outs of the Air Force. You know what you can get away with. You, you always know who's kind of watching you. You kind of get in trouble a little bit, but they're like, oh, you're just a senior airman. They give you some trust. They takes them away. It's kind of like when you hit like your junior, senior year in high school. You're getting some more freedom, but you can also get in trouble. And it's like, well, I came home at 1230. I was supposed to be home at 12. And yeah, I'm a little drunk, but at least I'm home, right? It's one of those. 
So you're usually in charge of the E1 to E3 crowd, but you can also say, I'm not in charge of anybody. Like you can kind of play both, you're playing both sides. And then uh, E5 is a staff sergeant, which is what I am. This is when you're the supervisor role. This is when you, this is like your first management position. If this were a McDonald's, I, it's like you're in charge of the cashiers kind of thing or a restaurant. You're in charge of the cashiers. You're not in charge of the whole restaurant yet. You're in charge of the cashiers. And then there's probably another staff sergeant or a really good senior airman that's in charge of the cooks or the chefs. They're in the back and they're doing that. You're doing the front, getting paid the same, but you're both supervising at this point. And you're making sure they're doing their jobs. It's a little more managing teams at this point. Technical sergeant is similar to a staff sergeant. However, there's usually only one of them, maybe two, and you're in charge of the staff to make sure he's doing shit and you're making sure all the airmen are doing stuff, but you're not actually like on their ass. You're on the staff sergeant's ass. Like the shit is starting to roll downhill and you're the one that's starting to push it a little bit. So you're also getting shit on from above you. So an order comes down, comes to you. You have to tell the staff sergeant to enforce this shit. If it doesn't, it comes back to you the other way. So you're kind of in no man's land a lot of the time, but you're expected to know a lot of shit. That's the rank I'm going to. You're supposed to be a technical expert, either in your career field, in Air Force knowledge, usually both. And then E7 is a master sergeant. This one you can coast out on for the rest of your career. Once you become master, you're senior non-commissioned officer you're up you're considered like upper leadership you're making a lot of decisions for a lot of people at this point this would be if you're the manager of the restaurant right you're like the general manager of the restaurant like you're not the ceo of mcdonald's you're in charge of this one mcdonald's right you're and the technical sergeant is like your first go-to like hey i want to see the dining area clean better and i want the cooks to have clean shirts. You tell the technical sergeant, technical sergeant tells the staff sergeants, the staff sergeants enforce it to the airmen. See how it kind of goes, it becomes a chain of command at this point. The master sergeant isn't going to be the one going back there to do all that shit. He's just going to tell you what to do, how to do it. Then you hit senior master sergeant. Now this one's a little more broader. You're not really doing anything hands-on. You're doing more big picture things. Like you're controlling who's coming in and out. We need more manning. We need this. We need that. This is like you're in charge of like the east region. Like you're in charge of like the northeast GM of the Northeast, right? And you're like, we need 10 more people, but we're losing eight. So we need eight more people to fill those 10. And you usually end up with the less than what you ask for. You're more resource managing at this point. What do you guys need to succeed? Then you have chief, chief master sergeant. This is the highest enlisted rank you can make in the Air Force. This is big picture stuff, the direction of the of the enlisted force. This is, it's very, I don't know, people say it's cushy. Other people say it's the most stressful shit, but a lot of people don't make it. It's like the 1% of the 1% make it this far. Usually because you get out at 20 years or you just don't feel like the responsibility. It's a very political position, but you're working hand in hand with the commanders. You're going to like base wide meetings, which would be like you're at the corporate level. Like you're corporate at this point. You're in charge of like the entire East Coast of the like of the of every McDonald's, you know, like you're making big decisions for everybody. Huge understanding of the Air Force, huge understanding of the career field and how the other career fields all tie in together. So, if that didn't bore you enough, how the hell do you promote, right? How do you go from one to the next? So, from E3 to E4, it's all time and service. That's all you got to worry about. You just got to stay in long enough. So at 36 months, you're going to be in E4. E1 to E2, it's six months, depending on how much school you have and how bad the recruiter wanted you wanted to get you in. And then E2 to E3 is 10 months. And again, you can come in as an E3. I came in as an E3, but I still had to hold E3 for 36 months. And then you get to E4, and then that's when you start to test. 
So once you become a senior airman, you can't just get the rank of staff sergeant anymore. You have to do, there's two tests you have to take. Some require one and it's a promotion fitness examination, which it's not a workout. It's actually just, do you know what your rank is supposed to be doing? Like, are you knowledgeable enough to move up in rank? Basically all it is. The other part of that test is your SKT, your specialty knowledge test. And not every career field has it, but some career fields do where you have to take a test saying that you're at the level of a staff sergeant in that career field. Like you're knowledgeable, basically. And then from staff sergeant all the way up to chief, actually all the way up to master sergeant. So the next two ranks becomes a little more heavy on, it's called an EPR, an evaluated performance report. It's kind of like your resume. It's everything you did the previous year. You get a ranking, like a rating, must promote, promote, all this stuff. You get extra points. You still have to test to make it to the next one. This is where it starts getting a little more political. And you kind of have to kiss ass a little bit. You can't have a bad reputation. So you could be really good at your job, but if someone's like, if someone knows you that, and you're the person that comes in late, or like you're never there when they need you, that's the kind of reputation that they look at. They're like, oh, I never see him around. What's he doing? Even if everyone swears you're a good, you're a great person, if the right people, if the people in charge don't see you around enough, you get a bad reputation and stuff. So this one starts getting a little more word of mouth, which shouldn't factor but it kind of does. And then from senior master sergeant to make technical sergeant to master sergeant, you have to go in front of a board. There's no test at this point, And it's kind of like a job interview, but the job interview is on paper. So like they don't actually talk to you. They used to. Now they don't. And now this is strictly word of mouth. Like, is he capable of being a senior NCO? So this is where it becomes really favoritism and ass kissing going on because again, you can be the best per- best person in your office, best technical expert there is. But if they don't know who you are, if they don't like you, if you did one thing wrong to the wrong person, it's pretty much it. And they'll never say that. That's just kind of how it goes. And there's some ways, there's some, we're not going to get into it because it's too fucking in depth, but there are some ways to get promoted earlier in some circumstances. Like if you save a lady from a burning building, they can promote you early. Just they could skip over the whole testing process and the whole EPR process, promote you early. Um, That's very, I think they only give out like two of those a year. You have to put in like a really good package for that. I know one person that got it because there was a car accident. They got out of the car. They got out of their car. They saw it happen. They got out of their car, pulled the person out, moved them to the side of the road, went in front of traffic and directed traffic around the accident because someone was pinned in the truck. And then they called their friends over who saw it happen and they got enough traffic out of the way to the side of the road where the ambulance can get there quicker. And only the one person got step promoted. There was three of them. Only one person got that because he was the one that initiated. He took the extra step to initiate saving these people and all this stuff. So you got to do something that's really fucking cool or really fucking courageous. And it has to impress everybody across the entire Air Force because they only give out like it's like five a year to the entire Air Force. Like You can't just get one. It's not like there's a, a person a year doing something wild. So we're not going to get into all that stuff. So like I said in the beginning, there's, there's two people in my office. They're going from E4 to E5. They tested. Um, they're both really smart at their jobs. They're the two best in the, in the office. Like I can rely on them. I don't have to check on them. I know they're going to do their job. If they have a problem, they're going to talk to the right person about it. They're not just going to be like, I can't do it. I don't have what's needed. Like they know where to go to get it. Um, like just knowledgeable. They're reliable to get their job done. Some of them come in late. Like two of them, they come in late sometimes, but I trust them that they know to be like, they've been doing it for so long at their current rank that like doesn't bother me because I know they're not going to lie to me about it. They might try to bend the truth a little bit, but they're not going to do anything stupid because they understand their role in the Air Force. So they're not notified today that they're going to get notified tomorrow. And it might be on Reddit eventually. I'm going to scour there to see if they're on, they're on it. But um, what's going to happen is they're going to tell like the senior NCOs, the E7s to 
E9s tomorrow. And then it's up to them how they want to tell these two if they didn't make it or not. Because you don't want to tell one of them and have a huge celebration when the other one didn't make it and like we're sitting in the same room. You also don't want to tell them both (laughs) at the same time. You kind of have to just play the room. Like, could they handle it? Yeah. Should you? Uh, I don't know. Like I had an old flight commander who's going to remain nameless he decided to call me last year to tell me i didn't make it and um whenever they do call you it's because you made it so i was like why would you call me because when i saw the phone ringing and i'm like and it's you i was like oh i definitely made it and he's like no you didn't make it like so why the fuck would you tell me that he's like well you were gonna find out eventually and i was like yeah but if i didn't hear from you that means i didn't make it you know like i was like usually the phone call means i made it so they gotta be tactful you gotta just understand you gotta understand your people at that point so it's going to be interesting to see what happens tomorrow. And hopefully they both make it. Like, they're both really good at their job. They both earned it in my book. Um, it'll definitely alleviate some of the responsibilities I have because I can dole, dole out a bunch of shit on them and be like, hey, you promoted. Awesome. Now it's gonna, <laughs> now you're going to take, take some of the fucking responsibility from me. But they can handle it. I trust them. They, one of them has a family and kids, and that's usually a good indicator that they're responsible. The other one just, he doesn't like to be wrong. So... <laughs> He'll just do it just so he's not wrong all the time. And he hates getting told what to do. So with that, we're going to wrap this one up. We're about 22 minutes in. I'm going to cut some stuff out, get it back down to the under 20, because I think last Military Monday was like 30 minutes long. So we're going we're gonna to push. We're going to get out of here. And then the random question of the day is vomit versus diarrhea. I'm going to go with diarrhea because at least you're sitting down. (laughs) You know, vomit, vomiting hurts. Vomiting, I hate vomiting. First of all, I'm too tall. So I got to vomit into the sink, which I know, I know. Everyone's going to make that's fucking disgusting because then you have to touch it and everything. But my tall ass will blow a fucking disc in my back if I got on my knees and put my head into the toilet. And then you're sticking your head in something that probably smells like fucking toilet. It might smell like shit. So you're going to vomit more. Sink, yeah, you're going to have to clean it, but I think it's easier to clean than the toilet. Look, you just flush it. I'm going to blow my back out. I'm going to get a stomach cramp. It's going to make me throw up more and it smells. So I think I'd rather do diarrhea in general, though. Because you could just sit there. And like, yeah, it's miserable. But you're also flushing your system out at that point. Like vomit, it's coming out of your nose, your mouth. mouth, And you have to brush your teeth. And then you're nauseous. You can't eat. Like diarrhea, you know where it's coming. Just get TikTok fired up. Make sure your phone is charged because you're going to be on there for a while. So I'm going to go with diarrhea in that situation. Plus, you feel lighter afterwards. You know, you feel, you feel, you just feel like you just lost a lot of weight. We're throwing up. You just feel like sick. That's like an indicator like you're sick. So there's that. I'm glad we got that out of the way, though. So with that being said, we're going to get the fuck out. Um, appreciate everyone that listens. May or may not have a guest this week. We've been uh, been back channeling with some, I'm not going to call them cowards, but they're acting cowardly on coming on because they want to yell and they want to get their point across. They don't agree with a lot of the shit I say, which is just weird because I don't really say that thing. I don't really say too much that's controversial. 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 So we shall see. But yep, we're going to wrap it up because I just spoke for another two and a half minutes and uh, we'll get out of here. Gracias. Remind me to tell you how I bamboozled Brady into taking his medicine.